back. <laughs> Hello and welcome to season two of Cock Blocked by Corona, the podcast. When you're ready to date but have to isolate again. If you are joining us for the first time, welcome. But I say this with love. Get the hell out of here, doll. Like one would say to a dog with its head in a bin, get out of it. Trust me on this. You are going to want to go back, binge, and bask in the glory of season one. As reviewed by one loyal listener, it's as infectious as the Delta strain. Please join us back here when you understand the true significance of hair ties, green minis, chook tush, Cuban heels, hazel eyes, and southern skies. If you are a cock-blocked-by-corona veteran, welcome back, kings, queens, and in-betweens. We are delighted to be in your ears once again. We are eagerly looking forward to delving into a brand new season of dating highs, crushing lows, cringy doozies, and downright disasters featuring Madame Rona with a cast of stunning new singles. But more on that a little later. I'm Lauren McKenna, and once again, I am joined by Hannah Fredrickson. Hello. And Kate Foster. Hi, guys. As we help to navigate the dating world with the added challenge of COVID-19. Think of us as your COVID-compliant guardian angels, metaphorically holding your hand from at least 1.5 metres away as we not quite expertly guide you through your Delta Days dating adventures and aim to unblock your romantic life from corona cloggage. Now, to take you back to where we left you, June 22, 2020, Katie is officially off the market and loved up with season one's leading man, Construction Cutie. Hannah's engaged, I have one month of pregnancy left, and Victoria hasn't yet had its second wave. Over a year has passed since we last recorded, and whoa, Nella, do we have a lot to update you on. At the time of our last episode, there were 7,474 recorded cases of COVID-19 in Australia to date. Now, nearly 15 months on, there have been 69,923 cases at the time of this recording. It is now a brand new year. 2021. Yet strangely, we find ourselves, like many other Australians, back in lockdown, living that ISO life and resisting a radical hair change. We are currently recording remotely from our Melbourne homes as we explore love and dating pivots during this truly unbelievable time. Hi, ladies. Hello. Hello. We're back. (laughs) It's season two. How do we feel, ladies? We're back. It feels good. It feels good. I mean, it's been a long time, not since we spoke, but since we last recorded and so much has happened, hasn't it? So much. Whoa, Nelly is a great way of putting it. So much has happened. I can't believe it. I was listening to our season one finale this morning in anticipation of us recording Mm. and I just wanted to be like, look out, girls. (laughs) You don't know what's yeah. coming, girls. You do if not you know. Things were bad now. Just wait. Oh, I just couldn't believe that we recorded before that second wave. Mm. There's been so much more cock blocking as a result of this virus <laughs> since then. Yeah, I think we were like, oh, you know, things are getting back to normal, so no need for the podcast. But whoa, Nelly. <laughs> whoa, Nelly. Also, I mean, we decided, people have been asking us for ages when we bring the podcast back, which is so nice. It's been so surprising how many people have got around it and loved it. But it kind of all unraveled really quickly, didn't it? The other day we were just like, no, we're doing it again. It's happening. Let's do it. Let's organize it. Let's go. 
That's it. And you kept having people come up to you, Katie, when you would see them and be like, what's mm. happening? What's happening with the story? So it got a little hard to keep it all under wraps. So you are now going to get the exclusive scoop on <laughs> what's been happening for all of get us ready. in the last 15 months. Yeah. Okay. So who starts Han? I feel like give us a little rundown. Oh, golly. So this is probably going to be quite plot twist. The, uh, Initial, yeah, this will be the first shock of of, uh, of the season. Mm. Um, as Lolly said, obviously at the time of our finale I was engaged and, yeah, I'm no longer in that relationship anymore, which has been a huge uh, life change and, mm. and hugely challenging. Um, I think breakups are just horrible, whether they're, you know, um, mutual or not mutual or expected or unexpected but I think adding a pandemic into that just makes things all the more challenging um especially being away from your family and everything yes yeah so I haven't been able to see see my parents see my sister since this huge life event has happened and also obviously virtually you're connected to people but so much of this year we've been in and out of lockdown in Melbourne and I'm living on my own now um and yeah, you're just isolated from that sort of social ecosystem that you would normally really lean on. And I mean, I really have been leaning on on people virtually, um, obviously you too. But yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm good now. It's been a really difficult sort of seven months since that separation, and I've had to spend a lot of time on my own, which I'm not amazing at at the best of times. I really thrive on being busy. I really thrive being around people and obviously I'm an actor so every time we go into a lockdown I can't work either so that's all been really hard. Great news is I can still go to therapy at the moment so um, (laughs) in a a really loving and committed relationship with my therapist. (laughs) She's amazing Um, but yeah I guess the one silver lining of the breakup in the pandemic is being completely forced to sit in and face my grief and uh, move through all of that. So hopefully when life does return to normal a little bit and we're on the other side of that, I probably will have moved through things quicker than maybe I would have if I had been able to distract myself and avoid facing it. And that's hard. It's hard when you wake up in the morning and you're like, Mm, can't wait for 24 hours with me, me, me. (laughs) (laughs) Just me and my thoughts about my life. Um, Yeah, look, it's been so brutal. And Mm. can I just say for the record, we are so incredibly proud of you. What a strong and incredible woman you are for going through this absolutely harrowing time. And we love you. You have done it with grace. You really have. Oh, thank I know you. you feel you feel sometimes like you're losing your mind, but you're really graceful and amazing, and still such an amazing friend. Oh, yeah, I feel bad because I'm normally like a really good replier, and I've just been pretty hopeless throughout the lockdown phase. So if any other friends are listening and they're like, "Yeah, you mole, you haven't replied to me for seven months," <laughs> there's people probably. This is why like, I had no idea that that had even happened, but. Um, yeah, thank You've got you. to look and after yourself in, you in lockdown. Yeah. It's all about self-care. That's it. And look, I am probably at the time that you will be listening to this, our beautiful listeners, I probably will have just 
turned 30 potentially oh, a few days before. Yeah. I'm about two days really? off my 30th birthday and I'm like, whoo, well, 30th in lockdown and I'm uh, living at my parents' place and I'm on Centrelink. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> it's not what I imagined, but um, yeah, look, we'll see. I'll let you know whether I, I've, uh, I've spiraled or I've just embraced it, but look, I'm certainly sitting into my skin and um, and I like her. So she's you know. bloody beautiful. Thanks, That's girls. Great. That's... Thank you for sharing. So something massive happened for me and Bleep It Out Carl <laughs> on the 27th of July 2020. We welcomed our beautiful bundle of joy, Milo Robert, into the world. So I've had a baby since last we spoke, everybody out there. He is cute too. He is just my absolute joy and has given me such a beautiful purpose in this crazy lockdown life. He's the best. He's so funny. He's got a great sense of humour. Um, he, he loves to dance. He loves music. He loves eating he is just so cheeky and fun and glorious. So, yes, Milo is around now. So definitely a massive change since we last recorded. We also bought a house, which is huge, mm-hmm. and uh, we are now rocking the suburbs. So rocking the suburbs of Melbourne. We know, suburbs. we know approximately zero people in our 5Ks, <laughs> um, so that has been quite the challenge. Uh, but we love it here, and it's been really nice to spend some time setting up our little home and bringing our little camp touches to our new place. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of where we're at. There's definitely ups and downs in terms of lockdown with your partner. I think, you know, we've spoken about this before, but it's really just not natural to spend 24-7 with the Mm. same no same way, person no. it's it's a lot but um but we're we're going strong and um <laughs> you know definitely more highs than lows so yes you are beautiful it's been mm. so beautiful and special to watch you become a mum too well that's just been oh. one of the joys mm. we could count from the last sort of 15 months it's just been absolutely You're a natural glorious. mom oh She's thank just you such a natural and he's just the most happy gorgeous, beautiful, funny, clever little man. He's very sweet. And luckily we have had some times where we have been able to catch up. So, you know, we haven't been in lockdown this whole time. So we've definitely made the most of the sort of freedoms that we've had to to catch up and and he absolutely adores his aunties. So it's been, it's been really beautiful and he's so sweet. And I absolutely love being his mum. Like, you know, it took me till I was 32 to find out the thing that I love the most in the world and the thing that I think I'm the best at. So it's been really glorious. You massive cutie. And, you know, the thing that's great about you too, because we've had another friend, a few people actually, that are also having babies. But so Lolly, many pandemic so babies. <laughs> open with talking about the highs and lows, like, and, and just being supportive and being open with information without being pushy. Like it's really lovely to see you interact. Oh, that's it. I just feel like experience. it is such a hard road. Like obviously there are so many amazing things about it, but it can be incredibly difficult and challenging mm. and isolating, especially because there's just so much information. So my sort of rule as a mum is to never share information unless I've been asked explicitly because I think there are just so many opinions floating around and you really just have to trust your instincts. 
So I've just been trying to go with that and not get too bogged down in the, the, you know, doomsday scrolling and Googling and everything and just kind of looking important things up when I need to and reaching out to other mums that I know. Um, But yes, I, I sort of will chat a little bit more about this, I think, as we kind of go on through the podcast. But you know, finding mum friends in a pandemic is also a really funny, funny uh, journey. So um, yeah, more on that later, but I, I did join mum Tinder. So we will, we will delve into that at we some point. We must delve into oh, that. Because it basically also, is like dating. It is. It's yeah. awkward and hilarious. And yeah, so we will, we will um, touch on that later. We will. And we will at some point answer the question on everybody's lips which is did lol have an almighty birthgasm <laughs> more on that later in the season oh god yes. i wish i wish <laughs> now katie we will sort of touch on your love life updates in a moment mm-hmm. but how are you outside of that you got to skip out on some of the second wave in melbourne last year Yes, we'll go into those details, but I did escape the second wave. And to be honest with you, I have been super lucky even this year to be able to go home. I'm obviously not at the moment. I I missed that and it was kind of, there were so many outbreaks going on that I also didn't want to risk. My mum is immunocompromised. So, you know, there's that risk when you go home and going to New South Wales. You never want to be the person who unknowingly takes the Rona somewhere. So I'm I'm in Melbs at the moment. But you know what? I mean you ladies have been privy to this. It has been a roller coaster of a, a year, but even just the last six months, so much has happened. And I mean I've gone pretty hardcore lately with like therapy and kinesiology just because I felt like I needed it. And it's helped me really understand a lot about myself and also not even just love life, but just purpose and job wise. And I think Corona has pushed that on everyone, really questioning a lot about the way we live our lives and what we're doing. And, you know, cause it could all stop and you could be in lockdown for bloody forever. So I think that's forced a lot of like self-reflection, but I feel at the moment today, as we sit here, freaking fantastic, actually. <laughs> Yes, Queen. Really good. Yes. You know, with some direction and some purpose and just, you know, enjoying the little things and every day is not easy. Um, but really, to be honest, I'm like, life's pretty damn good. You are cheering through the bleed. <laughs> Woohoo! Oh, gosh. Can we speak about we were having Bachelor catch-ups and that period undies ad, cheering through the bleed. We're all for putting a positive spin on it. That's fantastic. I think periods can be beautiful. I think it's amazing what women go through. You must read Period <laughs> Power by Maisie Hill if you've never read it. That's okay, just a side to. note. It's amazing. But it was a lot. It's quite It's quite a, a front-footed ad. Um, <laughs> I've challenged Carl to learn the Corrie. <laughs> I, <laughs> cheer through the bleed. <laughs> cheer through the bleed. Cheer, cheer through the bleed. <laughs> I think it's just a good thing to use now, though. It's a good I mantra. Just like, yeah, it's a good mantra just for life, mm. like life making you bleed. So, like, emotional blood. The bleed of your heartbreak. Yeah, <laughs> cheering through the bleed of like just sweat and tears. So, um, I feel like we're going to adopt that on the potty this time. Cheer. Cheering through, through the, the bleed. bleed. We've done that many pivots. We just can't pivot anymore. So now we're just cheering through the bleed, guys. We're just spinning on the spot. Um, I 
yeah, one more thing to update you on before we uh, before we delve into a, a more in depth Katie update is that obviously everyone is on the edge of the seats to know what my wiki feet rating is. <laughs> oh God! Finally, has it changed? I'm pleased to say, I'm pleased to say she's currently sitting at a four out of five stars. That's impressive. Oh, damn. We need to take some more feet shots to get those up. I feel like you haven't really revealed a foot for a long time. (laughs) To be fair, I feel like there's about T minus three seconds in Melbourne where you can wear not a boot and sock. (laughs) Because, yeah, I've only got four photos on there. So um, if you start noticing that a lot of my Instagram photos feature an open-toed shoe, it's because I'm really trying to push that rating up. The only way to get the rating up is if you sign up and make a profile, which I'm just not willing to do. No, please, so I can't even on. vote for myself. No, come on. We'll, I'm going to make a DL profile of your feet and go on and just send in votes. Guys, listeners, as my 30th gift, will you please push my rating up? And we can oh, my God. I actually thought you were going to ask for people to send you photos of their feet. Oh, my God, I would rather punch myself out. I (laughs) hate feet, actually, which is what's so ironic about me being featured on a celebrity foot fetish. (laughs) You have nice feet, though. I've seen your feet a number of times. They're slender. And they're slender toes. Yeah. (laughs) Very narrow feet. Do you ever use, like, a milky foot or similar? (laughs) (laughs) Is there such thing as a foot mask? I can't deal with those pet egg things. They make me feel... Yeah, no. Give your foot a shave. Just use the cheese what? grater from the kitchen. Oh, my God. Actually, once, no, once I um, had a pedicure. Lowell was having a manicure, but bleep it out, Carl and I had pedicures at the same time. No, tell, tell the story when this actually was. <laughs> okay. So we weren't planning on telling the story, but I will. So when um, Carl was going to propose to Lowell, I got to be there, which actually we should tell that story in depth at some point. It was really We should. Beautiful. Yes. No no spoilers about the actual no proposal. So but... it was really beautiful. But I got to be there and I knew it was going to happen. And Lowell said to me, look, you know, can you get Lowell this week to get her nails done so that, you know, she'll feel good when we have the ring and it'll be this lovely thing. And I otherwise I know like if they're manky that she she won't be happy with that. And I was like, because I specifically said to Carl, don't you dare fucking propose if my nails are not done. And I had had a particularly busy and stressful week that week. And you it had, was not, had. it was not good in terms of it, nail health. No, but he said, you know, can you ask her to go and get them done? And I was like, I'm going to be honest with you in my, at that point, I don't know what it was, 12 year, 11 year friendship with Lowell. <laughs> I have never gone with her to get my nails done. If I ask her to do that, she's going to be like, why so asking me so sad so I couldn't do that so she couldn't get them done so he had this amazing proposal it was so beautiful we will tell that story properly at another point in time but obviously afterwards we were like first thing we need to do is we've got to go to the nail salon (laughs) (laughs) so the three of us Katie was away Katie was in America with fucking New York narcissists. Um, but we went to the nail salon and um, Lowell got a manicure and Carl and I were like, oh, well, what the hell? And we got pedicures <laughs> and we sat next to each other, me and bleeped out Carl. And he was like, do you want to have a competition who can get the most um, shaved skin off their feet, like the dry skin? And I was like, you don't want to play this game. <laughs> just Gross. what you really want after you've just been engaged to someone, just like really romantic. <laughs> but I was seriously like, I don't think you want to play. It's like romantic <laughs> confetti coming down and it's just foot shaving. It's just Carl's foot shaving. 
Um, anyway, needless to say that I won the competition. So, whoa, and that's oh, really? that's really saying a lot Damn. because Carl's feet are a bit meg. I don't know if he, he would rate well on Wiki feet. Sorry, Carlo. Carl's got big feet. Let's make him a profile. Let's call it Bleep It Out, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> Bleep It Out Foot. <laughs> oh, wait, there's one more thing we need to update people on. Speaking of profiles, what? Katie, what happened to you oh, recently? Yes. Oh, Katie. Oh, guys. I mean, I actually was a little bit chuffed because I was like, does this mean I'm hashtag famous? Like, you know, have I made it now? Last Friday night, um, I started getting a barrage of text messages from people saying, oh, my God, is this you? Because somebody had made a fake profile on Instagram of me using my photos saying this is your um, – it was my OnlyFans and sign up to my OnlyFans for private content. And really, I was like, I was like, no judgment. If you want to go do that, go for it. Yeah, use the promo code Pocket Rocket for premium subscription. <laughs> yeah, lol, when lol saw it, she didn't say like, Katie, you've been hacked. She said, Katie, is this you? <laughs> yeah. I was like, good for you. A lot of people actually did say, is this you? A lot of people said, is this new? And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? There is a maths influencer mm. who made 600 grand in 12 months on OnlyFans. Hold on, so... let me. <laughs> Sorry, guys, bear our back. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, just actually take some nudes. Um, well, no, I mean, look, some people actually did say to me, you should get on that. People would pay for that good content. So I did consider it. And then I thought, oh, God, no, I'm too lazy. Um, but <laughs> it wasn't me. It was just a fake. And I think they've been going round. But because I've got nothing else to do and I live with a really good friend of mine who also went to uni with us and we just do 20 gazillion skits a day, I was like, I've got a great idea. Let's do a skit about me setting up a fake OnlyFans and what I would do. And so I made him film me whilst I was in my lingerie and we did a whole skit about what my fake OnlyFans would look like and put it up. And it's going gangbusters on social, guys. We really should share that on the pod. Yeah. We'll we'll share it for you. It's a great vid. He was hating me to start off with. He was like, I do not want to do this on my Friday night. He's like, you've got the take. You've got the take. And I was like, okay, listen, I film you all the time. So you're just going to stick with me. And by the end, he was totally on board and he had the vision. Love it. All right, everyone. I think it might be time. Time for what? Time for what? <laughs> time to give the people what they want. Can we just preface that that two seconds ago Carl stopped us and told us to stop yelling into the microphone so all of us just went, give the people what they want <laughs> with ten chins. It's time to give the people what they want. Get the people what they want. Get what they want. Oh, we got so- well, have I got a tale for you guys. Well, wait, wait. Oh. Insert jingle. It's happening in the That's our sick new jingle. <laughs> Download it on Spotify. Thank you to Lolly and Believe It Up Carl for these uh, new jingles that you'll get to hear through this season. I am peeking for it. <laughs> All right, Katie, give the people what they want. Okay. 
Okay, we're going to go way back, radio, and feel free to jump in, guys, because the ladies were also there for obviously this journey. But let me take you back to our last episode. Construction Cutie and I, we were super loved up. Um, We hadn't dropped the L word yet. It was still, we were only like a couple of months in, let's be honest, when we finished the last podcast, but things had moved really fast and it was fantastic. Like I really felt like I had met my person. So we had that solo trip to Wagga, if you'll all remember, we chatted about that. We met my family, that went really well. I met his mum and dad around his birthday and I'd already uh, met his sister and her kids and I got along with them really well. So things are going great. Uh, We'd had a small dinner at our house to introduce him to some of our friends, which was nice. That was the first time he got to meet Han. He didn't get to meet Lolly until... I was bunkered down. after You were bunkered down. So, I mean, Mm. you kind of got to FaceTime, I think, but he definitely got to meet Han and he got to spend some time with you in Wagga. So we'd also had another dinner. You know, it's so funny how much we... um, fit into those like few weeks that we had freedom between lockdowns so we had another dinner with some more of our crew I'd met his inner circle of friends like the boys the best he's got a really good boys crew (laughs) um I'd spent some time with the boys and look they were really lovely and they welcomed me in um and of course we had that second trip to Wagga where Han, you came along as well, and there were a few other friends there. But we had a very interesting experience, and that was probably our first real conflict between Construction Cutie and I, and we sort of didn't talk about it on the podcast at the time, but I feel like we can probably go deeper into it now. So I wasn't privy to a lot of that conversation that last that night, I was jumping in and out of the conversation that was being had, but essentially Han you kind of pulled him up on being critical for me not wearing warm enough winter clothes. It is a toxic train of mine. I don't dress appropriately for the seasons. You do you. I do me. I do me. But, I mean, Han, do you want to add anything in? Give us a little context around that sort of story. Yeah, I think saying, I mean, obviously, if you're just trying to put it down to a topic of it being about you not wearing warm enough winter clothes, sure, but it was sort of... um, was a bit of that negging sort of stuff that was slipping in and it was quite early. This is the first weekend that I'd spent with him and we were sitting Mm. down at dinner also with your parents and he just, yeah, Katie often ends up being a bit cold because she wants to wear a particular outfit and she forgets she doesn't live in the Bahamas. Um, (laughs) But she doesn't like whinge about it and she's just like, oh, yeah, I'm cold, you know, that's the thing. It's just a funny joke and we were laughing about that. You know, it's those things about people that you love and you know you don't try to little quirk change it's not like it's a problem it's just a little quirk Mm. you know or if it was something that you wanted to change like just when he's going out with you be like do you want to take a jacket like it didn't need to be something that was talked about in front of your parents it just felt really neggy and he was sort of saying you know oh it's ridiculous and why can't you just you know why don't you just wear more clothes Kate like that's just silly and um you know, I, I just thought the language around it, it just didn't sit well with me. I felt uncomfortable uh, at the time um, just because I was also like, you just arrived here, boy. Like <laughs> I was like, I've been dating this woman for like a decade. If anyone's going to tell her to wear more clothes, it's going to be me. <laughs> it's going to okay. be me. Also, or it's going to be her mum and dad who are also 
sitting here. Also, I am a 32-year-old woman and Correct. I mean, generally I, do, I don't just walk outside in underwear. It's mostly, you know, I love a, I love a midriff top. Yeah. So. It just, <laughs> yeah, it just, I don't know if I'm describing it well enough, but it just sort of felt like he was being really neggy to you and uh, I just kind of wanted to nip that in the bud at the time, I guess, and I just sort of said, you know, stop. You don't, you don't need to make commentary on it. I was like, that's just something about Katie. I was like, it ain't going to change. It's not going to change and, <laughs> and neither should you want it to. And it felt like the night just kind of went on from there, but he was not talking to me the next day. <laughs> he was not talking to me that night. So later on that night when we went to bed, I kind of stayed up because I thought, oh, God, something is really wrong. And I dipped in and out of that conversation, but I really – hearing your tone it was very jokey and it was more yeah. like oh come on like you know that's not gonna change like huh? no it's like a light-hearted way of just telling someone like back in your box a little bit yeah, but just not chill. any way not a confrontation in any no. sense of the word god no it was definitely not confrontational but he definitely was not that was the first time I think we had had to navigate how we both deal with actual conflict and he obviously really shuts down and so he wasn't talking and then I was kind of up just thinking, oh, God, he's going to leave tomorrow. Like this is it. He's I've not experienced this kind of behaviour from him specifically. Anyway, the next morning um, he, went for, he went for a motorbike ride and we were all having breakfast and you could, I think everybody could tell that something was, something was wrong. But then when he came back, he'd obviously decompressed. It was fine. But we came back to Melbourne and we did have a conversation about it and he said, I don't know whether Hannah and I, Hannah and I are going to be able to be friends <laughs> after that. He said, you know, if that's the way um, that she's going to speak or if that's, I don't know if we're going to be able to be friends. And I said, well, <laughs> I mean, she's pretty much my family, so <laughs> I that's not going to work for me. Sorry, as a side note, I don't know how he's operated in life with if that's a confrontation to him a mm. joking comment that's just like someone being like okay well Nelly like a little bit too far from you there I don't mm. know how he's navigated friendships in general yes that confrontation I think that's been a big thing and it was probably a learning curve for him as well to be faced with I can't just shut down and he did, or I can't just, I'm maybe not always going to get my way or I'm not always going to be right. So he did sort of take that on and we did speak about it. And I just said, I know that there was no malice in it. Um, and we we kind of moved past that. So that was, that was fine. We moved past that. He never, you know, at the time, I've said it to you later on now that obviously that's cooled down, but I definitely at the time was not going to text you and be like, he says he just... Leave it out, Cole. Best <laughs> <laughs> one of the season. Bleep it out, Carl. Bleep it out, Carl. Sorry. We are actually wearing our bleep it out, Carl shirts. We we'll have to put. We'll have to put a picky up on the socials for you all. <laughs> Absolutely. That's one strike to my name from Carl. Um, <laughs> we should actually give a tally this season and see who's the worst. How many bleeps? I'll rephrase that. Construction cutie and I. I wasn't going to text Han and say construction. Construction cutie says we can't be friends anymore. Um, so it was fine. We we cleared that up. Anyway, life life goes on. Everything was great from there. You know, we moved past that. You'll remember from New York Narcissist, our conflict was like 
breaking walls and you know me locking myself in rooms because I was scared and him coming out with pocket knives and you so it was a vast difference from that kind of relationship so I was like easy we can deal with this one thing we didn't speak about last season is my first time trying drugs so I spent the day and it was not long after this actually that we went to Wagga I spent the day with CC we'll call him and we'd had a lovely time hanging out I'd felt more comfortable and safe with him than ever before at this point we were really settling into that relationship bearing in mind we're probably only still two and a half months in Um, and he and I had had many conversations about drugs and I personally had never tried anything so you guys know I'm not even a drinker it just it doesn't really agree with me and to be honest in terms of drugs I'm pretty fearful about the effects of drugs thanks to my mum making me read the Anna Wood story when I was like nine years old so (laughs) it's it's terrified me and so I just have a gut feeling too that drugs and I wouldn't mix but CC on the other hand was a big advocate of trying things and for him he had found that weed had really helped him with his moods and allowed him to relax and he didn't have a problem with drugs like New York narcissist. I'd come out of that relationship and he had a severe problem with cocaine and alcohol and Xanax. And it was scary. Um, But CC, you know, he came at it with a much more practical, pragmatic way. And so I'm a fairly high energy person and he felt that it would really benefit me from a relaxation sense. And we talked a lot about my potential block and fear around drugs and how that was affecting me negatively and he also saw that I could be fearful of losing control so that night that day we hung out that night for the first time I felt comfortable enough to try weed I just thought maybe I am being a stick in the mud about it and you know pretty much everybody I know does it and weed's sort of not that much of a big deal to me and I was like maybe it's time to try it and maybe I will like it and maybe it will be helpful, you know, and zen me out. So I I tried to smoke it at first, but honestly inhaling the smoke is not for me and I just coughed uncontrollably and I just cannot get the hang of inhaling. So that was heinous and I'm glad I've never tried a cigarette or anything because it was horrible. And then he brought out some weed brownies that he'd made and y'all girls know that Fozzie can't say no to a baked good. You know what I mean? (laughs) I love me baked goods. Uh, So I ate the amount that he gave me and I waited and then all of a sudden it was like nothing was happening and then all of a sudden it just, it hit me hard. And so on a side note, I will mention and some people know this about me and some people this will be a a bombshell but I think it's relevant. Um, My dad spent time in prison for growing wheat when I was, when we were second year of uni, when that happened, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I didn't know about. My family didn't know about. That was just his own little recreational activity. And, but that was a, a really intense time. And that went, you know, for about four years, he was away. And CC knew this and he knew the background around this, but I don't think either of us had expected for pretty much every fear and anxiety from that time resurfaced. 
um, and I thought I was going to die. I thought um, that, you know, I, I just had this anxiety about my dad being away and being abandoned and, you know, whether I was going to wake up in the morning and be schizophrenic and I felt so physically ill and I couldn't get to sleep but I also couldn't escape. There was no way I could escape being awake and I kept looking in the mirror. <laughs> I mean, we laughed about this afterwards, but he said to me, you kept looking in the mirror and being like, I'm so ugly. Oh. Probably because I'd been crying hysterically, but apparently I was holding a piece of pizza being like, I <laughs> am the ugliest person ever. Oh, God. Anyway, heinous and <laughs> I was freaking out. It was a horrible experience and it felt like it just went on for hours. If anybody's done weed brownie, it just lasts for hours. And he told me afterwards that he was also freaking out because he didn't know what to do and he was actually texting friends. I think we both were freaking out. And so eventually I got to sleep, but the next morning I felt absolutely hideous. It was like the worst hangover I've ever had. And I rushed home um, because we were recording a podcast. And I was like, I cannot miss the recording. I can't let the girls down. And you'll remember me having a little cry before um, we recorded and then we, I just pulled my shit together and smiled through the bleed. <laughs> Whatever it is. Cheer through the bleed. Cheer through the bleed. It was. through the pain. It was very, very, very hard to watch you that morning. That was really difficult before also we, we were like let's reschedule we don't yeah. have anything happening in lockdown let's reschedule Katie but you were like no 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 I really want to do it it'll make me feel better I want yeah. to do it I was like it's Poor darling stupid fault for doing that I mean he felt really terrible and I went back to his that night because he was like can you please come over I feel awful and I just want to you know I'm worried about you but that is the last the first and last time I will be taking anything and I just, I, I think, you know, maybe the fact that I was so fearful around that obviously had an impact. But to be honest with you, I don't think I'm ever going to, I don't think I can be bothered to get past that. I just know it's not for me. But what I will say is I, I was disappointed. I made that choice to do it. You didn't force me into it. I was disappointed in myself that after lasting 33 years and not giving into peer pressure, I did it to impress a man, you know. But I suppose now I know. Now I know for sure. Not for me. So anyway, that was a wild ride and that was fine, you know. He he saw me through that and he, he did really look after me with care. I do wish that he had not, I mean, people have said since and people have said it to him and he's acknowledged it, was like, why would you give a person a brownie on the first time they're trying that, that you've homemade? wild absolutely not so I'm a bit like doll thanks a lot anyway not long after that the second wave hit and I remember as soon as they announced the border closures I immediately rang mum and she said come home and I said that CC and I had joked about you know if this was going to happen we'd run away to Wagga and she said look why don't you come home we need some help so within the hour we literally threw our shit in bags I invited him and said do you want to come even it's up to you and he was straight away like yes please we threw our shit in a bag and we headed for the border (laughs) we thought we would be gone for honestly a month and it ended up being four and a half 
months. <laughs> Whoa, Nelly. Yeah. We did not pack for the experience. And um, you just had your midriff tops and that's all. Just had all my midriffs. <laughs> Which was very triggering for. <laughs> oh, fuck! <laughs> Bleep it out, Carl. Bleep it out, Carl. Sorry. That's, that's two. That's Bleep two. it out. Bleep it out. Very triggering for CC, doesn't it? CC. Did not like a midriff. Did not like a midriff. God. Oh, dear. So, look, you, I am sure, as some people, will have also experienced living with your parents and your new boyfriend as an adult is really a ride. It's a ride of your life, <laughs> you know. And for the most part, mum will be listening. I'm not just saying this because my mum's listening, but I actually do love living with my parents and they're very easy people and our energy is very similar. So my mum is just the most beautiful angel and the kindest, most chillest person of all time. And my dad is pretty full on and definitely gets on my nerves and we can definitely clash. And we did, you know, Cece, <laughs> he did see the the best and worst, to be honest. Um, we did clash. And I think there was a hard realisation for me for the first time in my 33 years that I'm actually a lot more similar to my dad than I'd like to admit and that's probably why we clash. So, but honestly, for the most part, dad is pretty hilarious and he does lean into us teasing him about absolutely everything. So he's got a good sense of humor about him. But for CC, this was a massive adjustment and I can empathize that living with somebody else's family is hard and I think the energy of my family is vastly different to how he's used to existing. So, you know, for example, when the Fozzies go on holidays, it's like <laughs> she is, she's up in the morning. Dad is literally ripping the blankets off you being like, come on, come on, everybody, get up. Like we're up early, we're packing the eskies, we're going out all day, we're doing activities. And Cece is much more of a sleep till midday and chill kind of person. So, you know, my dad getting up and stomping around the house at 6am in the morning and knocking on the door being like, are you guys up yet? Does anybody want a coffee? What are you doing? I'm bored. Someone get up. Like that, I think. Really got on his nerves. What do you mean? I feel like that's a recipe for like a beautiful beginning of a relationship. <laughs> Who does not love their father-in-law knocking on the door at 6am on a Saturday being like, what are you guys doing? What are we doing today? So, but look, during that time, we had so much fun. And honestly, we were so, so lucky to escape because you guys were all in lockdown and we were in New South Wales and we got to spend time out west on the other property. We're mustering goats. We're riding motorbikes. We're road tripping through outback New South Wales. We adopted our little orphan baby goat, Stevie, from out west. And she is the cutest. She's a big girl now, but she still loves her cuddles. But she slept beside our bed in a crate you know, we went to our holiday house on the south coast for a few weeks and CC got to see the whales and not just for the first time, but he got to see them up close. Like the man's having all the experiences, you know. So again, we, we road tripped. We went to Sydney. We visited friends. Like we got to do so much and we were so lucky. And mum and dad were, as much as dad will knock on your door at 6am on a Saturday saying, what are we doing today? They did also set him up with his own study room so he could have privacy and do his uni course, which he just started. And we were really lucky to have, you know, our own wing of the house and 3,000 acres to explore, unlimited motorbikes, Got food it made. in the fridge at all times. Like 
you know, we went to dinner every Tuesday with my grandma for family dinner. She made him at least two gluten-free chocolate cakes a week because she's obsessed with him. Um, so he's, you know, he really got welcomed into the family with open arms. And during that time as well, my grandfather passed away and he met the whole extended family. They loved him. He was great in social situations and like he really stepped up around that time when my grandfather passed like it was it was a hard time so he stepped up and he and I had spoke spoken sorry a lot about the future and what we wanted Um, we had the same desires and vision for life it all looked really similar and he was really keen to start businesses together And when I had an offer to work on a certain business proposition, he got really involved. He was really helpful with that. You ladies will remember, you know, it was sort of when Mm -hmm. we'd come back to Melbourne, we were staying in Han's parents' Airbnb. Everybody stayed in the Airbnb. It's just been a revolving door of It has. Gypsies. Revolving door of of, um, extreme situations. But he was really invested in my success and it felt really supportive. And during that time when we were at home, my landlord had also decided to move back into our house. So I was essentially homeless and all of my stuff was in storage, which my beautiful housemate had packed up for me. And so we decided to move in together. So that was the plan for the new year. So we've literally like discussed kids, um, businesses together. We've spent time at home. He's met my whole family. I've met his family. You know, he is fully integrated into my life. Um, but we still hadn't said I love you at this point. And we'd had conversations about it, but he felt like I wasn't ready for that yet. He felt like I was still grieving New York narcissist. And he told me that when he felt like I was ready, he would be more open to saying I love you. I remember Lolly, you especially, because you're such a diehard romantic, were like, um, have you guys... I love you yet and I was like oh no I was so lurking I was like so where are we at with that (laughs) lurking I love that (laughs) I mean you guys were very love love. you didn't you didn't give anything away you were very sort of open going okay okay but it did feel like there was that fundamental exchange of I love you's it felt like things were backwards because that hadn't happened, but so much else had been planned out and promised and happened. And so it, it was jarring in that sense. And I think during the early dating time, especially having the podcast, it made for a really exciting dynamic. So he would listen to it. He'd be the first person to listen to it on a Monday morning before anybody else. And he would ring me straight away. In fact, often he would ring me like five times a day during those early days You know, he was so communicative. He was so touchy-feely. He was, I just had never experienced anything like it Um, and extremely loving to the point that my sister was like, oh, God, you two are gross. Like in those early days, she's like, oh, you're so touchy-feely and loved up. So it was nice that he felt so supportive, but I think he really got a kick out of being the hero of the story when we were recording Um, And it's interesting that once we moved back to Wagga and we were no longer getting that attention, which I have to say on a side note, I still, and I know you ladies, are still so moved by how invested people are in our stories 
and it's so lovely to have people be so supportive and and asking and checking in. So we loved that and I think he loved that too. But obviously that had finished up and we weren't getting that attention anymore and it really fast-tracked us past the honeymoon phase into the mundane and um, more than that, we had so many pressure cooker elements that were at play like spending time with family, spending time together 24-7 for four and a half months. We literally did not leave each other's side. Him being out of work and me financially supporting him for the most part, yeah. So he'd gone back to studying. I was working full-time and I I offered that up because he's with me in my home and what are you going to do? We want to go out to eat. We want to have those nice things. Also, I really thought we've planned so much of our future. Of course, I'm going to support you. And that'll come back around at another time. You know, it's my turn now. At some point, that'll come back around. And look, just in general, COVID pressure, huge. So at some point, that pressure cooker started to boil over. And I don't think either of us were prepared for how that was going to happen. Cliffhanger. Cliff, 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 cliffhanger. Cliffy. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> There's a lot. Any comments, queries, questions? So many comments, but I mm. actually think that our listeners need to tune into episode mm, two. You do. Before we can give the people what they want and listen to what we have to say. Yeah, look, from, from there things got interesting and, I mean, it's a, it's a case study of so many um, – so many things that two people can do in relationships that just create conflict and and yeah can tick each other off it's been so special to have so many of you touch base in our hiatus since season one to check how we are to let us know that you've just discovered us to tell us a horrific or prolific dating story or simply to announce that you've managed to have a fitgasm which leads me to this listener feedback and she (laughs) says I once came whilst doing a ballet beautiful YouTube tutorial called Swan Arms. You literally raise and lower your arms like a swan for 20 minutes. My abdomen tightened and pulled up through the front of my vagina slash belly wall, I guess an A-spot orgasm, and I came during the workout. Get off and get toned arms at the same time. <laughs> so congratulations <laughs> to this listener. We love this. Yes, um, And I just love the idea of the Swan Arms video just having a huge spike after our listeners um, get onto that after our episode today. But well done. Googling it now. A red wine and Swan Arms. <laughs> I'm just raising and lowering my arms right now while we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Who remembers my old friend Slurpy Suze? Who could forget her, really? One divine listener had this to say. This whole time you were talking about the Lilo, Slopey Susan, I thought you were talking about the womanizer, and I'm still not convinced that they're not actually the same technology. But, oh my gosh, the womanizer is incredible, and all you need to jump on the bandwagon. One thing I've heard, though, is that man's friends... What? <laughs> <laughs> sorry. So sorry. I'm going really well, guys. Let me go back. <laughs> okay. One thing I have heard, though, is that ma- <laughs> man friends. Man friends, not man's friends. <laughs> man's best friend. I'm like, who's man? <laughs> We're keeping all of this in, by the way. 
Go. <laughs> I'm sorry. One thing I have heard, though, <laughs> is that man friends of mine, <laughs> we got there in the end, guys, who have used the womanizer with their partner say it's so fantastic that they can feel like their role in the bedroom is diminished as the air technology is so fantastic. <laughs> yes, it is. I can attest to that. And you know what? Don't hate on it, men. Skin-on-skin contact will never be as stimulating and that it's important to keep the muscle memory in the female sex organ alive. What man is telling you this shit by putting all toys away and working to reach climax without their aid as well? Yeah, well, i got something to say to men. I tell you what, unless you upgrade your skin-on-skin contact skills, then I'm, I'm working that womanizer in. Absolutely. Yeah, start, start increasing that lung capacity to blow that air. <laughs> I just feel like anyone who is threatened by a sex toy isn't isn't right. <laughs> like, yeah, no, thank you. I think it can only enhance the experience. Why not bring toys into the bedroom if you if you like it? Absolutely. I will say Slurpee Sue's doesn't give me a cuddle afterwards. And sometimes I would like that. But I mean, <laughs> I love that it was a man friend that told her that skin-on-skin skin contact was super important, that you need to put the toys away. But also, what's that, what's that saying from the old El Paso ad? Por que los dos? Like, why not have both? <laughs> Use your toys and have your skin on skin, right? Am I right? <laughs> I love that you just bought an old El Paso ad in. Por que los dos? <laughs> That's the best thing I've heard all day. Oh, God, that was good. And finally, we had a listener write in with a pressing question for the trio. They say, I'd been chatting to this guy for a while and I had organized to meet up for a drink. As I'd just had another prospective male companion start to ignore me after he kept telling me how keen he was, I thought, why not? Let's see what happens. We go and have a drink and we're hitting it off quite well. He asks if I want to go back to his place and I say yes, throwing all caution to the wind. We are back at his and having some sexy time, which was great. Good for you. He asked if I wanted to stay over, but I couldn't. I had to drive someone to the airport early the next day. You're a good friend. As I'm searching for my clothes that seem to have been thrown into another dimension, he finds my undies. He walks over to me. I assume to hand them to me, but he proceeds to bend down and hold them out for me to step into like a child. Completely blindsided and confused by this dressing assistance, I just go with it and he legitimately helps me put my undies back on. I ended up seeing him a few more times after that, but we never brought it up again. I've told other friends this story and they have never had this happen to them. My question is, have yourselves or any of your listeners ever had this happen, particularly with someone they do not know that well? What do we think, ladies? (laughs) Look, I can't say that I've ever had it happen to me. I could see it happening if you were drunk or something. Like I could see it happening if someone was helping you in that Mm. Yes, I have actually had that happen to me before. When I've been very intoxicated, having a night out, I've had an ex-partner of mine actually help me into my clothes. And this is really actually quite sweet. I had my period at the time, so he helped put a pad in my undies. So I could cheer through the bleed. No, No, but I actually thought that was really sweet. Like I woke up the next morning and I was like, you know, I was, I was warm in bed. I was safe. I had my pad on, like it was very sweet. Um, But no, I've never had it in this context happen. 
But yeah. so what Lol's yeah. saying is, why was there not a pet? <laughs> no, I I agree. I think if you're in, I could see it being a sweet thing if you were in a in a longer term relationship, maybe. And I don't know. I know it's never happened to me, and I do think it's a little strange on the first day. I think he was just trying to be sweet mm. and helpful, but I understand why it felt a bit weird and like you're a child needing help. The closest I've got is when um. <laughs> The fisherman, the Lord Howe fisherman's mum washed my undies and folded them. But that's but he didn't help me put them on. I accidentally left them there. It sort of gives me equal parts, like is it a child being helped by a parent or caregiver? But also it gives me like little old lady vibes as well of like, mm. uh, you know, a, a partner of, ve- of very many years helping you into your knickers. So, um, look, yeah. it's never happened, but I think he was just trying to be sweet. I think so. But do let us know, listeners, whether this has happened to you and how you felt. Maybe some people love it. Maybe someone has their partner do this every morning when they get dressed. I don't know. (laughs) Tell us. (laughs) I must say, I do like to be tucked in. I know that's a bit weird, but I do really like to be tucked in. I love that. I just feel so safe and cozy. (laughs) I'm sure Carl loves that too, having to tuck you in. He does. I think. So everyone out there, please continue to get in touch via all our platforms. We want your dating stories, your fitgasms, your fingered by the wrong twins, your sex toy reviews, or your questions. We pinky promise to always protect your anonymity. News flash me. News flash me. COVID dating news. COVID dating news. New South Wales Health says compassionate reasons do not include meeting strangers from online dating sites. Authorities say leaving the house for a one-night stand doesn't count under compassionate grounds, caregiving or exercise. Well, dang, guys. Sexercise. (laughs) Sexercise. It's a thing. No, no, no. New South Wales residents have been told by the state's health authority to keep your dates online and spread love not COVID as lockdown continues. I can just imagine Kerry Chance saying that. It's a bit of a cringy tagline. (laughs) Isn't it? If you live alone, you can bubble up with a buddy during the stay at home order. So get your bubble buddy. Faced with soaring COVID case numbers, New South Wales Health has urged single people to stay in, watch Netflix and chill. With themselves. <laughs> Alone. Because doesn't Netflix and chill actually mean have sex? Get it on. Yeah, I Get don't know that, that New South Wales Health is really understands the, uh, the intricacies. <laughs> the lingo. Particular, I mean, you'd think Gladys yeah, would. I mean, Glad's, she's, she's Glad's. been rocking it out, hasn't she? She's had a secret boyfriend from Wagga and everything. She knows the Netflix and chill. Come on, Glad. Yeah, you know that did means. not end well, though. <laughs> True. Cheer through the blade. Cheer through the blade. The New York Times reports, in a fast-moving pandemic, daters are taking it slow. Looking for love demands a little more discernment in the age of COVID. Surveys suggest plenty of people are taking re-entry into the dating field more slowly than previously expected. A survey released in June by the dating app Bumble found that 30% of respondents only want to date someone who is vaccinated. For those who are venturing out in person, 41% want to keep those dates socially distanced and an online poll of 6,000 people conducted by The Pill Club, a telehealth company that provides contraceptives, among other products, found 64% of respondents said they plan to be more cautious about dating and casual hookups than before the pandemic. 
The Sydney Morning Herald reports dating apps have been introducing tags on member profiles to show whether people have had the jab. Earlier this month, Tinder announced it was rolling out stickers indicating vaccinated, vaccine soon, immunity together and vaccine save lives and including links to health.gov.au for help about how to get vaccinated. It's a response from a 220% increase in the word vaccine in member bios since the start of the year, according to Tinder. And the app says it's a definite discussion or selling point among members with comments like biggest flex at the moment is then fully COVID vaxxed or in an optimistic take on supply and lockdown duration on our first date, we can get the COVID vaccine together. Tinder says it has embarked on a vaccine advocacy initiative aiming to make dating safer once everyone is out of the gates again. Another app, Hinge, is this week bringing in a new category on member profiles to mark vaccination status, saying in user testing, those who had vaccinated on their profile got 30% more matches. Well, damn. A dating app targeted specifically towards fitness lovers has contributed to a boom in online dating in Australia during the COVID-19 pandemic. Australian app Fitify, which helps fitness-focused singles match based on their fitness levels and goals, that sounds like it's for me, has recorded 15 million swipes and 600,000 messages since it launched last year. Fitify is designed to match couples based on their fitness and dietary preferences, giving you the best opportunity to find your fit. Katie, you'll have to put the badge, Fozzy don't run. (laughs) Fozzy don't run. Fuzzy don't run. Fuzzy spin. Oh, this is not. I'm glad that you I think mean. that's for you, Katie, because it is not for me. To be honest with you, I feel like you'd get some absolute knob jockeys on there, though. Like dietary preferences. Right now, my dietary preference is that um, vegan Sara Lee um, chocolate Bavarian, and I eat a whole family size one because I'm like, I don't know, vegan. She's obsessed. She's that's not a vegan, you, but she's obsessed. So you specifically want someone who has that same dietary preference. It's very specific. And you know what? I've only found it at the IGA up the road. So I'm just like, I'm really limited. Maybe one day you'll be up there and someone will reach for it at the same time as you and sparks will fly. I'll be like, (laughs) do you also like um, Soleil diet desserts? Because if you do, you're the man for me. (laughs) Oh, dear. We are wet your pants excited about introducing our new season two cock blocked by Corona singles to you in next week's episode. These beautiful, brave legends will be handing the reins of their love lives over to us and we cannot wait for you to fall in love with them. We'll hear about their past dating history, what they're looking for. We'll provide constructive feedback on their dating profiles and push them into the world of dating in the time of crappy Queen Corona's reign. Who wouldn't want three bossy women on speed dial? Am I right? Yeah, right. However. (laughs) Sorry, I thought it was a a call and response. (laughs) (laughs) However, plot twist, we have decided to hold one spot and conduct a little social experiment on Hinge. Over the next week, Katie will begin approaching random people on the app to see if a total stranger would be willing to sign up to have their love life unblocked by us on air. Stay tuned for the responses. What could go wrong? There's sure to be a bloody hoot. So hold on to your hats and hair ties. Season two is going to be a bumpy ride. (laughs) I am so ready for this. And also, I just cannot wait to see what people say back to me, which I will screenshot. 
we will share, I'm sure, what will be a myriad of different responses with you on our <laughs> social. So please jump on and follow us if you don't, if you want to follow along with this social experiment. Absolutely. And with that, I think that's a wrap on our first episode of season two, Surfboards. Thank you for joining us for another season. We are so happy that you're here. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your potties and we would chef's kiss if you would be so kind as to leave us a rating and review. We want to hear from you on our email, cblockpodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you on our email, cblockpodcast at gmail.com or slide into our Instagram DMs at cblockedpodcast. You have been listening to Lauren McKenna, Hannah Fredrickson and the ever honest, ever vulnerable and apparently on OnlyFans, Kate Foster. Our producer is Carl McKinnon at Tech Tech Boom and this week is brought to you by Cheering Through the Bleed. Stay safe, wash your hands, have a book to our hot new jingles, help someone into their undies and we will see you next week. Bye.